Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans? Welcome to a very special guest episode number 89 of Good Humans Podcast. Today, we are talking to Sienna. Elise is an absolute legend. She has a huge social media following and she is a yogi. She's bloody epic and you're going to love this chat. If it's your first time tuning in today, please do us a favor. Go and like and subscribe on this podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and make sure you tell all your friends about it. Also, a big thank you to our sponsors. Drinkarepa has been supporting us for a very long time and they continue to get behind this podcast. Drinkarepa is a brain function drink. They take care of our brain. They take care of all of our guests' brain. And yeah, it's a scientifically formulated drink, all done by neuroscientists. Makes your brain perform better short-term and long-term. Head over to their website, drinkarepa.com. Use the code GOODHUMAN and you do get a massive 25% off. Did you know 80% of men and 50% of women suffer significant hair loss at some stage in their life? And for many of us, that thinning starts well and truly into middle age. And this can have a huge effect not only on our confidence, but also our mental health. That's why I'm really excited to be teaming up with Nioxin, the secret to thicker, fuller hair, dermatologically tested and scientifically proven. I've been using the trial kit system number one, which is for guys and girls who want to maintain their locks just like me, addressing light thinning, helping you strengthen your hair and to prevent breakage and to refresh your scalp, which is a foundation for a healthy head of hair. This coupled with the Nioxin Dioboost gives you instant thickness and makes it look a lot thicker and fuller. To celebrate living your best life with thicker and fuller hair, Nioxin is giving away the chance to win an awesome mate's getaway, valued at $5,000. Just head over to Nioxin's Instagram page and check out their latest competition post to enter today. The best part is they'll also be putting money behind every entry to the Black Dog Institute's Mullets for Mental Health Initiative, which is a very important cause to me. So head over to priceline.com.au and search for Nioxin, spelled N-I-O-X-I-N, and purchase your Nioxin today. The links for both Nioxin and Drinkarepa will be in the show notes, so make sure you go and check that out. All right, today's episode, Sienna, far out, this chick is a bloody legend. This was the first time we got to meet, and I loved every minute of this chat. It was so cool getting to... Just hear about her journey. I'm good friends with her brother, so it was nice to understand the upbringing that she had and how she, yeah, created the amazing life that she's living today, traveling the world as a yoga instructor, creating amazing content, and just living a beautiful lifestyle. So let's jump straight into the chat. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Sienna Earp. Sienna Earp, how you going, Sienna? I'm freaking fabulous, actually. How about you? I'm really good. I am very hot. I'm in all black, and I've kind of been bouncing around podcasts for the day, but we're in your beautiful little rental here in Byron Bay in the woods. So if anyone can hear a bit of a hiss in the background, it's cicadas, but it's just the natural sounds of the forest. But the first question I open most of my podcast with is, what are you grateful for right now? Oh, I love that question. Um, so something that I have been practicing for a while now um, is just anytime I think 
to come into intention and gratitude, I just place some hands on my hand, on my heart and my belly and close my eyes and take a couple of breaths. So I'm going to invite that with myself. Do you want to join me? Let's do it. Yeah. Mm. I'm grateful for connection, for the opportunity to meet amazing humans like yourself. I'm grateful for peace and being able to find serenity within solitude. I'm really grateful for nourishment and for summer and the changing of seasons. Mm. Yeah. I'm grateful to be here. I love that. What Thank you, you so much. Me. Oh, what, what am grateful I grateful for? for? That was really beautiful. I've done this with a lot of guests and I've never had somebody take the time to sit and actually do it like that. And it actually relates a lot to something that I learned from my sports. Like you said, gratitude shouldn't be a thought it should be a feeling mm. and once i started to really lean into that that was what probably one of the nicest ways i've done that i needed that little few breaths but <laughs> what am i grateful for right now um i think something that i actually thought about last night or the night before i was kind of just thinking about how many podcast guests i've been doing lately and then i was like fire i've chatted to like like 80 of the most incredible people and then i kind of thought about it and i was like I didn't really have a big high profile surf career looking at it now. I'm like, I was kind of nobody. And I lent on the surf career thing to kind of get access to a lot of guests. But now I'm like, I'm getting this access to people for my ability to hopefully make, let people open up. And it's not because of my surfing. So I'm grateful for that, that I've kind of built something and built a style of interviewing that people can relate to and get positive things out of. So there's my gratitude. Yeah, <laughs> you do. You make people feel really safe. Like I've only just met you and I, yeah, you hold space for others and give them permission to be themselves and authentic. Yeah. So, And I think it's just being curious. I truly am just so yeah. curious to learn people's stories. Like we chatted off air for what, five, 10 minutes before we started this chat. And I was like, you're like, shut up. Don't continue. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wait, I got to hear all this on the podcast, but your story is um, very unique. You have such a beautiful energy about you. Even as we just saw that gratitude to start is something so different to anything I've had on this podcast before. And you, I guess you'd call yourself a yogi and a retreat runner and a influencer in that space, but it hasn't always been that way as we real briefly touched on in our pre-chat, but let's get into your story. So Maybe just to kick off, what do you, how do you describe yourself right now? What do you do? I find that really confronting every time I'm asked. I don't know whether that's just being within a creative industry and not feeling like I can identify with any particular title or just feeling like I'm trying to define myself by the things that I'm not yet doing but want to be doing mm. and that doesn't feel authentic um, or it's somewhere in between all the above and that's okay. So I think I'd probably just define myself as a happy mess. Like I'm scattered. I'm all over the place. I'm upside down, but I'm still just, yeah, learning and unlearning, especially the things that have been holding me back from appreciating and being present in each moment. And yeah, just experiencing this yummy life, like to the best that we can. Oh, we're going to have so much fun on this chat. I feel like we have very similar mindsets on a lot of things and I'm excited to learn how you got there. So I do run my podcast a little different to a lot of podcasts. It's going to be all about getting to know your whole story kind of chronologically so we can understand why you are the way you are today and obviously so present and centered. And I feel like it's something that's very admirable that a lot of people wish they could maybe get to. And I'm sure you'll probably be like, it's not all that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's going to be a lot of people who listen who are like, fire, I'd love to get to a place of peace and stillness that you seem to be able to find quite often through watching your socials and just chatting to you already. So 
let's rewind back to the beginning. Where'd you grow up? Family life as a kid, family dynamics. Yeah, as much as you're willing to share that sort of youth and childhood era of your life. Cool. I'm an open book um, and I'm also a rambler. So you might need to like, you know, wheel me in a little bit. I'll sit and listen. Okay. (laughs) Um, I grew up in Newcastle, born and raised in Newey and loved it. Like growing up there was just the best childhood ever. The beach was our backyard and we were just constantly in the ocean. And so from a very young age, I had a really good relationship with movement, um, my body and like loving it, discovering the boundaries of what I could and couldn't do and what I felt comfortable doing and being in the ocean or nature mm. in general. Like I, I knew from a really young age that I loved all the above and that those were going to be part of my life regardless of whether I wanted them to be or not. Yeah, Just because of, they they help so much on a soul level, right? Mm. And as soon as you stop doing those practices or rituals, you instantly realize you're like, oh, like something's wrong. I need to, I don't know, ground myself, do some yoga or like just go for an ocean swim or something like yeah, that. Yeah, get in nature, get in the yeah. ocean. It's like so important. So what about family dynamics? You have a couple brothers. One of them's my good friend, Sam. Shout out Sam. He helped hook up this podcast. So thank Erky. you. Erky. <laughs> um, yeah, family life as a kid. How's that? Um, so I was the baby. I've got two older brothers and they're amazing. Yeah, we've got mum and dad have been together our entire life, still very much in love. And it's it's really beautiful to have that, um, which I'm now able to be grateful for. I didn't even realize growing up that that was how rare that was mm. and how many of my friends now don't have that. Um, yeah. So shout out to mum and dad as well <laughs> for just being epic legends and for showing us what unconditional love is and can be mm. um, and setting the standards high for all of us with relationships. I think all of us kids. Um, yeah. I'm, I feel like I had a pretty regular childhood. Yeah. Just, you know, getting picked on by my two brothers and <laughs> chasing them around the house naked with the baseball bat for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why I have a memory of that, that but memory, I do. Yeah. I, I think I did it to Jake Sylvester actually no when way. I was really little. Like it's okay <laughs> that I was naked because I was that little. Um, yeah. And went to school in, in Newcastle as well. Um, St. Phillips went to like a, well, actually I went to a public school growing up, Mary the Public. And then, yeah, went to St. Phillips and it was all fine and dandy until I moved to a different school, um, a different high school in year nine. And can I swear? Yeah, you can okay, swear. Cool. <laughs> I'm a bit of a potty mouth. No, no, no you go for it. <laughs> um, shit kind of started hitting the fan around. What made you change schools? Um, I think both my brothers had left school from the other school Yeah. that we were all at. And so it was just easier. It was closer to home. And um, yeah, I would have been going into senior school there. Because they had like yeah. junior, middle, senior, whereas this one was just, yeah. High school. And I was I was stoked about it. Like it was going to be a new adventure and I had a couple of friends there already and I knew that I would make a whole bunch of other friends. So oh, yeah. I was I was fine with that. I was always a, a dabbler in friendship groups. Like I didn't have one specific like click. Mm. I was just kind of like, yeah, we're all friends. Kind Let's of all party. <laughs> what about sports? Were you into many sports as a kid? All the sports. All the sports. Another thing I'm really grateful for as an adult is, and I was thinking about that just the other day actually, was, yeah, again, like how unique that was and how much I took it for granted. Mm. Like I used to think that I had to get up and go swimming 
every morning before school. And I thought I hated like going to school and everyone saying that my hair smelled like rotten eggs or chlorine. And, and I was like, oh, it's because I'm a swimmer. Like, get mm. over it. <laughs> but and then we'd like leave school sometimes and go to private lessons for like gymnastics or aerobics, surf lifesaving. Yeah, swimming, anything really. Yep. I did tennis. I did soccer. Broke my toe. <laughs> accidentally scored a goal. Then quit. I was in K grade. Don't think anything of it. <laughs> it was fun. It it's, was fun. It's crazy that you just brought that up on the idea of like we forget how privileged we are here in Australia. Sometimes, like yeah. my beautiful partner, she's Brazilian and she's thirty-seven, and she we played tennis for the first time she's ever swung a tennis racket a few weeks ago. I let her hit a golf ball like for the first time she's ever played golf, like first time she's ever been surfing, first time she ever went wakeboarding, like all these things that we kind of take for granted. You realize once you start to meet people from other cultures, how lucky we really are. And I know you've done a lot of traveling and would have met so many incredible people. And that kind of makes you reflect on like, wow, as much as like we have our problems, there's things that would get us down in Australia. But when you like zoom out, we're so bloody lucky. Yeah. And even just having, and you'd be able to speak for this yourself as well, I'm sure, with how much trouble you've done. But anytime you speak to someone who wasn't born and raised in Australia, they, they're they like the first to point out to you like how lucky we are and that's why they like coming here or that they wish they could come here mm. because we're known for that, right? Like we're known for being outdoorsy and like down to earth and like happy-go-lucky. Yeah. 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 And I, I, we didn't realize that, or I didn't realize that until traveling. Yeah, seriously. We also a, have a bad reputation though while traveling for being yeah. like, you know, party. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't drink. I'm not like that. Yeah, some people love that too. Like you look at Fisher, my brother-in-law, I'm sure you know of like people love the Aussie personality as well yeah. overseas. Like people just can get along with Aussies, I think, which I mean, it's lucky. It's good. Yeah. So when you change schools, what was that experience like moving into a new school? You're probably 15 years old, 14 years old. Yeah. How was that? Um, it was good at first and I'm not sure when, yeah, when things kind of like started to shift exactly, but I started to get like a little bit of bullying from the people who I thought were my friends and it wasn't anything hardcore bullying. It was just like it was the subtle passive aggressive kind of like putting you down constantly and just yeah the consistency um of it just started to really I guess just yeah take its toll and at the same time um yeah my body was just going I don't know what was happening but chemically like my brain was not in a good space um yeah and so I actually developed really bad depression um and anxiety. I've always had anxiety since a kid, <laughs> since yeah, a baby, you're actually. You're saying you don't drink coffee. Well, you had your first coffee in ages yesterday and couldn't sleep. Yeah, couldn't sleep. I was still shaking this morning. <laughs> From yesterday's like, coffee. I was trying to write my, my list of things to do today. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's all over the shop. Uh, <laughs> Lesson wow. learned. I won't be doing that again for a while. So you start to develop a bit of depression, anxiety. You told me off air that your mom's a psychologist. How... um. How did that relationship kind of feel if you're developing these things that your mum is going to treat people for? So I think it, this is probably one of the first times I've admitted that out loud, but I think it maybe made me feel worse because one, 
there's like this morbid sense of safety in the unhappiness and in depression mm. that you want to stay within because it's familiar. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't want the help. And so I found myself rejecting and pushing her away a lot as well as everyone else. Does she know like how you were feeling? Yeah. 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 Um, which I mean, in retrospect, helped a lot because yeah. she knew what to look for and she Had probably figured it out before I even did. I probably just knew that I was sad all the time and yeah. just started acting differently. Um, yeah, and so she was trying to do as many things as she could to help me. She used to, like, sleep outside my room every night on a beanbag and I wasn't even aware because she just wanted to make sure that I was safe and that I wasn't going to, like, do anything Yeah, yeah, to hurt myself. Um and I only found that out like later on as an adult. And I was like, oh, like, Bless. thanks, mom. <laughs> um, yeah. And her and dad actually had a conversation at one point where they were like, she's going to get through this. And if it means that one of us has to play devil's advocate, she will. Because re- like regardless of what they choose to do, their priority was my health and safety mm-hmm. um, in that situation. And yeah, and so she took that, she took on that burden and she played that role and she allowed me because she knew that it was helpful for me at the time to have someone to blame Mm. and to take out any emotion that I was able to feel on her, like negative emotion, because you know how a lot of the time you just numb. So you pushed fair a bit of it back on your mom. A lot, like so much. And yeah, I'm, I'm so, (laughs) I'm so like, sad by that that I did that and didn't even realize the effect that it was having on her mental health as well Mm. as our relationship but I'm so grateful for it as well yeah helped you get through it eh? so at school at this time but you told me off air as well that you took a bit of time off school because you were struggling with your mental health so much how was that period for you and how did you kind of come out the other side of it Um, so I ended up having a couple of inpatient hospital stays for suicide attempts. Um, and yeah, just had too much time off school. So couldn't go back and finish the year. I'd have to like repeat. And mum saw that it was, it would take too much of a toll on my mental health. And as a psychologist, she had access to resources, um, as well as, you know, being very dutiful and studious about doing our own research on mm. what the options were. Do you think school was one of the main drivers of what was really bringing your mood down from the bullying and just being around that environment? That's a good question. I'm not sure. And I don't like, feel like- Did you like not want to go to school or? I just didn't want to do any, like doing anything yeah. was hard. It was, it was a successful day if I was able to get out of bed and brush my teeth. Wow. Like. Mum, yeah, so mum helped me find a way to get into university and I went to uni at 16, but her thing was like, I just had to go. It, it was like, you don't even have to Change your dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, you can wear your pajamas, you can wear your Ugg boots. So I used to rock up in my PJs as a 16 year old and just sit up in the back, not talk to anyone and just go for the classes that I needed to and then leave. And that was enough. And it was exactly what I needed at the time because it wasn't setting the expectations unrealistically high. It was like, just go, be curious, open-minded and be as present as you can, but just get out of the house. Like just yeah. do something so that you're not doing nothing. Um, and it's, yeah, it's those tiny little things that make such a huge difference. Yeah. So when, what were you studying? When it unfolds. 
And then what did you go and study at 16? It's obviously very young for a uni student. Yeah. But you needed to be out of the environment of obviously that school and whatnot. So, yeah, once you went to uni, what were you studying? And then what were you, what did you see your future looking like when you were going through that sort of depressive state and coming out the other side of it? I was studying a Bachelor of Arts, so just like a mix of random subjects because I was, yeah, just trying to figure out what I actually wanted to do. And at the time, to be honest, like I was in such a dark space that you can't think of what you want to do in the future because you don't feel like you have a future Mm -hmm. or it doesn't matter because you just got to get through this moment. Um, So, yeah, I was kind of just being there out of duty to my mum, I think. Um, just, yeah, wanting to make her feel like I wasn't not trying getting worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I was, I could see how much it affected her and, and dad and the whole family. Um, yeah. And so I knew, I, I knew that it was my responsibility to at least do that. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I was doing like, I studied psychology, which I loved, but Ever since I was little, when mom started studying psychology, I was like, I'm not going to be a psychologist. <laughs> so I enjoyed it, but I, I wouldn't admit how much I enjoyed it. And But it was so, yeah. like Fascinating. I, yeah. Like every subject, every time I rocked up for a lecture, I was like, oh, that was it's good. It's interesting. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and now every time I listen to Alan Watts, I'm like, this is pretty much just like psychology 101. <laughs> um, I did photography and loved photography. So I ended up doing two years at Newcastle Uni and then moving up to Griffith Uni on in Queensland um, to study e-photojournalism there. So I think I had like six months left of the degree in Queensland and that was around the same time that social media kind of just started happening. Yeah. So I was kind of, I, I don't like saying it because it sounds all like pretentious, but I guess I was accidentally part of the like OG Instagrams or influencers, yeah. especially well, in Australia at least. Yeah. And yeah, so I started getting like sent a bunch of products and stuff. And at first it was so cool, right? So like at this stage, like, you're kind of on the back end of your depressive state. You're feeling a bit better once you moved up the coast. And what were some of the things that you found helped you kind of potentially get out of this tough space? Like did you get put on SSRIs? Did you turn to yoga and go back to some of the things like meditation that obviously you're massive on now. Like I'm just trying to like put the timeline together where all this whole new holistic approach to life came about. Kind of all happened around the same time, Yeah. Um, around that time. So making the move up, I probably wasn't ready yet, like mentally or well enough mentally, but I knew that it was like a big step that I needed to take. Like you, change doesn't yeah. happen in our comfort zone. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was excited about being up in Queensland. I have a bunch of friends up there. And yeah, just trying something new and getting out of the rut that I'd put myself in. Mm. Um, Yeah, so I was optimistic about it. And then as soon as I got up there, I realized that I was away from all of the sports that I did back at home that were so important for my mental health. So I really quickly realized that I wasn't doing as well as I thought I could be or should be. So what were the sports you were doing at home that you missed once you moved? Because this is obviously through the time where you are struggling with your mental health, but you're yeah. still doing some stuff. Yeah, I was doing cheerleading at the time, American style cheerleading. Mm-hmm, we um, yeah, we actually went to Worlds, no and way. yeah, we got seventh. Woo! Ooh. East Coast All Stars. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was really fun, and just 
being in like a group space as well, like being supported by your teammates all the time. Um, there was, yeah, definitely the social aspect that was helping a lot more than I realized yeah. when I was doing it. And so it wasn't until I didn't have that element that I was like, oh, something's, something's not good. Um, and I'd been going on like walks and runs at the time as well, just like around Nui. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start training for a half marathon. I was very optimistic. It, it did not happen. <laughs> I just, you got it easy. yeah, I was just like walking along like ADHD brain, like, oh, butterfly, like, oh, stop and take a yoga video here. And, um, and yoga is the other thing that I started. So Instagram, I hadn't like properly got into Instagram yet. I don't even think my profile was on public yet. I think I was still on private and just mm -hmm. using it like everyone, everyone else was. And um, yeah, I started seeing photos of people doing yoga poses. And I was like, I did gymnastics when I was little. Like I reckon I could maybe still do that. And you're studying photography as well. So you're starting to get a good idea of so I was merging them together. Yeah, yeah. Smart. So I would wake up early because Queensland, the sunrise is so freaking early. It's Four crazy. Right. Yes. And I would go down to Fingal Beach and, um, yeah, like set up a tripod and take photos. By yourself, just with a tripod. Oh, God, yeah. Wow. Anyone. And it was so awkward because no one did that at the time, right? Like no one took even, I mean, people take selphies with their yeah. phone, but they wouldn't. Like set up a DSLR and then yeah. like run across the other side of the beach in 10 seconds, mind you, and then try to get upside down. And then I'd run back over and check it out. And anyone who was walking along the beach was like, what is she doing? And I was like, <laughs> Dream don't, time don't look at me. <laughs> it was embarrassing, but I mean, it all worked out perfect yeah, and yeah. I enjoyed it. I really loved the creative element to it. And yeah, I started pairing it with, poetry writing as well so that was always an outlet for me um getting through depression and anxiety and ever since I was little I think I just yeah I really liked writing, writing. Yeah, I yeah. liked English growing up and um so it was just kind of like I didn't intend to do it I never sat down and was like I'm going to write now for 30 minutes or so mm. I just it felt essential you just were drawn to it yeah and so then when you know, you get an iPhone. I used to just sit in my car after getting back from work or uni, like outside the house for hours. And I would just sit on notes and just write these poems and just prose, um, which I actually ended up compiling into a poetry and photography tabletop book. No way. Uh, yeah. So cool. It's called You Will Rise. We'll leave it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I did that. And, and that's when like Instagram started hitting off as well. So turned my profile into public and started getting, I guess, recognized. I also had a Tumblr at the time that was when Tumblr was like the uh -huh. hip thing. And so it all just kind of, yeah, I was doing it for fun. And then I had an agency in Brisbane, like a modeling agency, contact me and be like, hey, like, do you want us to represent? You? Yeah, like be your management and we can get you paid to do what you're doing. And I was like, you can get me paid to do what I'm doing. Like, that would be amazing. At this stage, like, how many followers did you have? Did you blown up pretty quickly or? Um, I don't remember. It was so long ago. Yeah. It, it, this was like 2012, 13, probably 13. Yeah, wow. 10 uh, years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was right when Instagram just yeah, started to, like, yeah. get moving. But it was fun. It was a game back then. Yeah. So it was 
now the explore page used to be called the popular page. Yeah, that's right. And everyone's popular page was the same. So it wasn't curated for you yeah, yeah, and what you look at. Everybody. Right? Yeah, so if you got on the popular page, it was game over. Or if somebody it tagged was, it you was global. on a bloody story, it yeah. was just game over. You get thousands of followers now. No one cares. Yeah. yeah. So I used to, used to get like between, I don't know, three and 10,000 followers a day. Wow. Like it, there was a time when it was just like going, going, going. Um, and I remember being at like, I think I got to 10K and I, my mum was up visiting. And I remember like being in the kitchen laughing to her and being like, oh, ha, ha, yeah, like imagine one day if it gets to 100K. And she was like, I think it will. <laughs> and I was like, don't be silly. And then like next week it was at 100K. And then I was like doing the same thing with a million. And wow. Yeah. All just, yeah. It, was, it was. Did you finish a uni degree? No. So I started getting offers to travel. Um, originally, like one of the first ones was with a company called Mai Tai. I don't think they exist under that name anymore, but pretty much it's like a group of elite athletes and entrepreneurs and they get together in different locations around the world a couple of times each year and go kiteboard, yeah, kiteboarding and get drunk pretty much. Great content. Yeah. <laughs> and so one of the guys on that was like, hey, love your photos. Do you want to come and be the photographer for us? Like we pretty much just hang out and chill, have fun. Like you don't have any expectations as such. Um, but yeah, it'd be really nice for you to meet everyone in the group. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm really nervous. I don't know if I can do that. And yeah, mom like supported me and she was like, yeah, I think you should do it. So I did it. It was just over in Fremantle, like Western Australia. Yeah. And it was so much fun. Um, made some really cool friends. Um, lifelong friendships actually out of that and from then it just started like people saw that and then I got invited on a Bali retreat to do the same thing like influencing and that was around the same time as like Jay Alvarez was getting into stuff so we were on like trips together and it was just yeah crazy so this is your early 20 early 20s yeah late teens early 20s 18 19 20 yeah yeah and so that kind of just took over your life for a few years. Yeah. How was that going from, I guess, somebody who is a bit self-conscious and battling a bit of depression, battling depression in and out of hospital to being thrown in this scene where you're known for being this happy, smiley, bubbly yoga girl? How was that to balance what was really going on and what your quite recent past was to them being so in front of the camera and people seeing one side of you that might not be the whole of you it's a really interesting reflection um because i wasn't one or the other and at the same time i knew i was neither so i was able to perform as per what i was required to for showing up for these companies and stuff like that um so they weren't paying me but they were paying for it Mm. and so yeah, I knew I had like a sense of responsibility and, and duty to them to to do the best that I could. Um, and I took a lot of pride in that because I knew how lucky I was to be in the position to mm. be able to do that and to have it like paid for. I was like, what? Like Yeah, I'm getting free holidays. Right. right At like 18, 19. Yeah. And all my other friends have like just left school starting uni and they're like, this isn't fair. Yeah. And so I felt a little bit of guilt about that as well. Um, and then Hence, I think that's probably when the imposter syndrome probably started, mm. just feeling like I wasn't worthy of it. And like, who was I to to be receiving all of this stuff? And 
yeah, just like doubting, majorly doubting what I can bring to the table and contribute. Mm. Yeah, that's it's yeah. such an interesting reflection. It's something that I've battled multiple times with what I do with running my workshops. Imposter syndrome is so massive. But there, and then as well, like with any growth in socials, but there's this one quote that I like try and think about if that comes to my mind. I go, if not you, then who? Mm. And it's like, well, if. Who's that by? I don't know. I just heard it from someone. <laughs> it's probably, someone probably made it up, but I've heard it somewhere. But anyway, it's a good one because you're like, if not you, then who? And it makes yeah. you kind of reflect like, well, if not me, then who else is deserving? What have they done that makes them more deserving than my story? Yeah. And then that kind of helps me a little bit sometimes when I feel like that, but it is hard to battle with so that brings you kind of to your early 20s how old are you now 28 okay same age as me when's your birthday november oh, i'm older than you just i mean when's your birthday <laughs> so what's that cap no taurus taurus i'm not a big star sign person the lot i had a podcast with another friend like an hour ago and she was talking about star signs so i'm not a star sign person <laughs> you can probably tell me all about taurus i'm um, josh and my eldest brother and my dad are both taurus they've got oh. the same birthday no way. What yeah, date? 21st. Ooh, I'm the 10th. Anyway, all right. Let's go. I mean, just strong-headed. Yeah, yeah, A little bit stubborn, but it works in your favor. Yeah, so we're the same age. So we've been kind of living through the exact same timeline. What was it like in your early 20s once you've sort of built this big social following? When did you start trying to like go like, all right, I need to make this into a career. I need to start monetizing this because that, like you said, early days, social media was like, oh, a free trip is amazing. Yeah. But then very quickly you begin to realize that these brands are benefiting off your profile, brands benefiting off your growth. When did you notice that? And when did you start trying to monetize what you were doing? So uh, to be honest, I never did. Um, I, I monetized eventually, but I never would have yeah, thought to or had the confidence in what I was bringing to the table. What about your management? To, so that's that's where management came in. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, that's when they were like, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll take our our cut of it, and yeah, you get to keep the rest. And I was like, okay, perfect. Like, I don't have to talk money, and they were like, no, like that's what mm. we're here for. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Nice. So yeah, it kind of just started like, and then it was just a whirlwind. I don't know how it got to where it did and that was like one of the at the time especially everyone was asking like how do I do what you do like Sometimes how can I timing. grow my following yeah I didn't know what I did like mm. I was like I don't know I was just taking po- doing photos yoga poses the yeah. in beautiful locations and yeah. people enjoyed looking at it and that's how yoga started too so I was trying just individual poses and the same thing with imposter syndrome I started getting like a reputation through social media as a yogi. And I was like, I've actually never taken a yoga class. Like that's the You've dumbest. You've never done a yoga class. I'd never done, I've never put them together at like 18. I'd never done a proper class. I think I did one when I was 12 yeah, like, because. Know what it was, but. Yeah. Um, like a, I, I was having a sleepover with a girlfriend and her mum was teaching the next morning. <laughs> so we just had to go. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was Bikram and I hated it. It was carpeted floor. Everyone was all oh smelly God. and sweaty. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, not my thing. <laughs> um, yeah. And so. So very quickly, you're like, I actually better learn how to do yoga. <laughs> yeah. And and I was, I was so hesit- like hesitant to actually go and learn because of what I thought other people were going to think of me already. You'd like trapped yourself. Well, their assumptions thinking that I already knew it. And yeah, so, so you like, didn't want to promote that you were like learning it because you'd already been showing, not that you like you're unintentionally showing that you're just doing poses that were nice photos. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. So I actually did it in Byron Bay. Oh, wow. Where we are now um, at the Byron Bay Yoga Center. And that was amazing. And that was like my first introduction to proper, proper yoga. So mm. I'd done a couple of classes before it um, at the Newcastle Yoga Loft, which every time I'm back in Newey, I still like go and practice and teach. It's like family Sick. there and love it. Um, yeah. And Savetta, the owner of the yoga loft, she was the one who really encouraged me. She was like, yeah, you should go do it. And when you finished, like I'll support you through it and like make sure that you feel comfortable enough to teach. Yeah. Um, and you can teach here. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> like, I'll try. Um, yeah. And it, it worked out perfectly. So, so you did, that, how long was your course? Um, it's 200 hour is like the initial yeah. one that you have to do. It's so hot in here. Yeah, Holy I know. Dooly. Sorry. I will open one of the, <laughs> one of the doors. You can keep talking. Okay. Um, yeah. Initial one is 200 hours and you can choose to either do just the 200 hours or you can do 500 hours if you like really want to get into it. But not many people do that. Most people just choose the 200. Yeah. Um, so I think it was a month and you're wow. just there. You have roommates and it's oh, lovely. So you go live there and fully learn every part of yoga. For a month. Yeah. 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 Three, three or four weeks. Yeah. Wow. It's good. That's so cool. So that was when you were in your early 20s and was that when you were like, wow, I found my thing. I found something that I can not only lean on with my social profile and the, I guess, business or I guess profile what you're building, but then also give back to people and do it in a way that is truly beneficial and be able to teach yoga as well. Yeah. I think that's that's how I knew I was aligned at the time or in alignment with something that was both like my dharma, which is like the yoga word for this, it doesn't translate into anything really, but kind of like where being in service and being in your purpose meet. Um, and so it's, yeah, really beautiful to have that moment. Mm. And I think I'll always remember that moment of just being like, wow, like I can contribute and giving gives back to me at the same time. Yeah. Like it's so seamless and effortless and fluid. And there's so much beauty in that. It's something that I wish we got taught at school that the power of giving and the power of kindness is something that makes us feel good. And I do speak about this quite a bit in a lot of the content I put out, but the idea that so often we're almost taught like do something nice for somebody because then they might do something nice back for you. But the way you just described it is like it almost feels like you've cracked the code of life once you realize, oh, wait, by just doing nice stuff for other people, it makes me feel good. It's like, we live in this world where there's so much marketing and advertising saying, once you get this, then you'll be happy. Once you do that, then you'll be happy. It's like, no, once you just be nice to people, once you take a moment to be grateful, once you take a moment to be still, yeah. then you'll be happy. Yeah. So when did you discover that? And when <clears throat> do you feel like there was that kind of turning point for you in your early 20s? Did you go into teaching yoga quite a bit after that or were you still living this travel influencer lifestyle? Um, still traveling and teaching. So... I was just teaching at the yoga loft in Newcastle when I was home, like in between trips. Um, but I was traveling at that at that point probably like 80% of the time. So I would just be home for maybe like a week or two at a time, like empty out my suitcase, wash it, and then, yeah, repack and head off again the next week. Epic. Um, well, it sounds epic, but and, – and it is and was – but it's not sustainable yeah. and right. it wasn't fulfilling because really? that aspect, yeah, like I'm- Traveling I'm turned into a job rather than a, something fun to do. Yeah. And I'm just, yeah, like I'm a huge introvert. Like I'm loud and I'm outgoing and I love socializing and connecting with people, especially one-on-one -on -one mm. or like in small groups. But yeah, like 
I don't get invited to parties because my friends know that I'm not going to come and that, well, I just, I just don't enjoy it. And I've never been into partying. So like. Have you ever drunk? I've drunk before, but I've I've never had a hangover. Like I've never drunk enough. Clearly. I just, I don't like the taste of alcohol. That's cool. I I respect it. I think it's great. I haven't had a drink in nine months. I'm like doing a year sober. So nice. Know that no hangover feeling. It's very nice. It's very nice. (laughs) It is good. Being able to wake up and actually function. Mm. Oh, it's so good. So good. I want to talk to you about a couple of sort of, not the modalities, but some of the habits that you add to your, that are part of your life that mm. are important. There's one that you posted on socials, I think this morning, the day that we're recording this, about taking time to be grateful for your food. And it's something that I've been very lucky to have learned quite recently from my beautiful partner. I think I mentioned before, she's What's from Brazil. Her name? her name's Carol. You're going to love her. So she makes these like healing Carol. Baltic Amber bracelets. I've got a couple in my bag. I'm going to give oh, you one. I love it. Amazing. You'll love it. You're going to love her. You you guys love to meet one. When day. you're best friends. Yeah, yeah. You guys are going to become best friends because that's something that she taught me. And I'd never really thought about it. And I'm going to get your opinion on this after I kind of explain how I think about it. But she'd sit there and kind of just close her eyes and take a moment before she ate her food. And I was kind of like, what's she doing? And then I was like, why do you do that? And she's like, it's not from a religious point of view or anything. It's from a gratitude point of view to take a moment to respect the process that this food on your plate has been farmed, been grown, been picked or whatever, whatever, whether it's meat or um, fruit or vegetables, then it's been transported somewhere. Somebody else has moved it to here. You've got it and then you've prepared it and then it's put on your plate because I'm someone who quite often would like waste a quarter of my meal, like not finish or always over order. Mm-hmm. And then once she explained that, she's like, yeah, it's just being kind of grateful for the process and taking a moment to just sort of respect the whole process of it. And once I started to look at it like that, rather than like, oh, it's just a bit of food, like whatever. It's like, no, it's the whole, the amount of people and processes that have happened for this to be right in front of me and me eating it. Yeah. It makes me feel so bad now not finishing my meals. Let's talk about your mindset around what I just kind of spoke about because I know it's important to you too. It is very important to me. I, um, I've i been doing it for a couple of years now. I was introduced to it by a friend, um, yeah, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago. Similar maybe. to what I just explained or different? Um, well, he he like he's a yogi as well um, and so we were traveling together and he, we, yeah, he would just like sit over his food with his hands Um and he was like mumbling to himself with his eyes closed. And I was like, like, what do you say? Yeah, like let me in on the secret. <laughs> yeah, that's, what my, that's what Carol would do too. Can the food hear you? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, it can. And I was like, oh, bullshit, tell me more. And so, yeah, he used to say the Thich Nhat Hanh's um, Five Contemplations. Mm, great book. And Thich Nhat Hanh's great. Yeah. And I've just adapted it myself um, over the years. And I don't always say that. And I don't always remember to do it. But it is a really beautiful invitation to come back into gratitude and grounding um, before eating. And it really does make it, one, taste better. And two, there's been like scientific studies done on the way that our food literally is like absorbed better and we receive more nutrients from it when we're grateful for it before eating it. Mm. And the same way around with, um, you've probably heard of the studies with like people speaking negatively to plants mm. and then not negatively like speaking kindly to them and the kindly one grows and the negative one dies, right? And same with water as well. Like just- It affects it. Even like sticking a sticker or like writing with whiteboard marker on the outside of a glass, like 
I love you. I'm grateful. Thank you. The water itself like changes its structure. Like water is like mind blowing. Yeah. And so I feel like that's definitely the main reason why like I eat plant-based. And so everything is Mm. water, right? Like we're all water. And so it makes sense when you realize that that food is going to quite literally become a part of you. Mm. Like why not become something good? It makes sense. And once you do it for a reason other than somebody telling you to do it, once you kind of actually sit with it and go like, no, I'm doing this because it, it, just feels right you know those things that like just your intuition kind of goes once when you sit there and do it you're like this is what we should be doing yeah it's like the intuition that just is there sometimes but yeah that's one that i saw you on post that i was like i want to talk to her about that because i think it's something that everyone listening should do whether it be every meal you eat but at least if you like prepare a meal and sit there and eat it like take a moment to yeah just be grateful for the process that it's been through yeah let's talk about yoga a little bit what sort of yoga do you practice there is quite a lot of them a lot of people who are listening probably don't know too much about yoga. I'm going to give you kind of my my journey with yoga and then you can kind of comment on your journey with yoga. Should so, I not have worn a dress? Are we going to like get down on the floor and do some yoga? Oh, I wish. We're going to Maybe get bendy? Um, <laughs> I, so my experience with yoga, I, used, I got taught when I was probably like 16 or 17. I did like one or two sessions. One of my surf coaches, Barton Lynch, his partner, oh, nice. um, okay. was a yoga instructor and taught us breath work and yoga. And I would always do it. And look around, see if I was the best at doing it. I was very competitive my whole upbringing. Now when I practice yoga, which isn't enough, but I do practice yoga frequently, well, not frequently, but a few times a year at this stage. But I just did a 10-pack pass at Hot Yoga Gold Coast, so I've got to get nice. back there. But now when I go, I've realized that it's got nothing. It does have a lot to do with the movement, but the breath is everything to me now. Because I meditate regularly and understand trying to flow your breath, Mm-hmm. was everything so now i go and do yoga i can do an hour with basically my eyes closed and just focus on my breath coming in my breath coming out and now i realize i look around the room no one's looking at anyone like you're, right? you're the silly one when you're looking at other people like it's zero competition so now when i do yoga i can just go there and just fully all i think about is the breath and the movement sort of comes second once i change from it being about the movement to being about the breath it changed me yeah what's been your experience with yoga the exact same <laughs> The exact same. Um, I have a question though. Do you do breath work like separate from yoga? Yes. Yeah? Like yeah, yeah. transcendental breath work, Wim Hof. I kind do like of. Wim Hof every morning. So I wake up. I, I, have, like, I have a heated, I mean, a weighted blanket. I put that on my like, nice yeah. carpet and I lie on that and do a 20 minute breath work every morning. Nice. Um, I have done many ice baths over my time. I don't have one at home and I don't really have access to one. So yeah. if it's there, I'll try it um meditation daily gratitude daily um what other modalities do i do they're kind of my main ones there's a new place in byron called social remedy um i haven't been there yet but it looks epic yeah uh and they're yeah got ice baths saunas like hyperbaric chambers oh, like all okay. the the good yeah. all the good shit so maybe we should go there afterwards yeah, yeah, seriously and like get rid of the sweat and just get in yeah, the ice bath <laughs> It is pretty warm in here. It is. I'm, I'm sorry for that. Yeah, I know. We, I shut the – if anyone's his cicadas, that's why the doors are shut while we're hot because there's pretty loud cicadas where we are. But anyway, um, but yeah, yoga with you. Yeah. has been your journey with yoga. 
Um, so yeah, like I was saying, I got into it through the physical asana. And then once I was at the initial teacher training, I realized that there was so much more depth to it and like the philosophy behind everything. I was just like, holy crap, mollies. Like there's so much here that I just had no idea about. It's almost like the one movement in sport that's really lasted the time of like history. And if it's carried on through generations where everything else gets lost by the victors of war, it seems like one that I can really think of off the top of my head, apart from like maybe some like Chinese movements and stuff yeah. like Qigong or Qigong. martial arts. Yeah, yeah, martial or... arts. But it yeah. seems like yoga is one, yeah, that has come and lasted the ages. And not just lasted, but made a comeback. Like yeah. way, way bigger because it went international. Mm. Um, whereas it used to just kind of be, yeah, like the term yogi um, is actually a male term because initially – males were the only ones who did yoga um and it was used as a practice and i i don't know how accurate this is but i've been told this um it was used as a practice to train um yeah train kids for to become soldiers or something wow or like something to do with like intense work or something yeah and so Ashtanga yoga, um, which I don't personally practice and find so much resistance to doing because the handful of times I have tried it, I've just been like, yeah. Not in your element. Yeah. It's just, it's very strict and stern and this is how you do it. And this is the sequence, um, which I understand on like a rational level or an intellectual level that why it's done that way. Um, so that it's almost like a meditation because you know what comes next. Yeah. And being able to get through it, whereas I really enjoy vinyasa and like the freedom and the fluidity and to be able to like check in constantly with my body and ask it what it needs in that moment. Mm. Um, And the same with teaching, like understanding and learning or having a conversation almost with other people's bodies, even without them speaking to me and learning to like pick up cues from them on what they're needing. Mm. Um, Yeah, that's been a, a really cool process. Yeah, epic. So the last couple of years of your life, sort of from early 20s, once you learn yoga up till now, 28, I'm sure you've been on some crazy journeys. I probably haven't done enough research and know too much about your life. So what's happened the last five years, I'm sure there's some ups and downs, some struggles, some goods and bads. Give me a story or two. Um, other than, you know, the regular COVID, mm. which kind of put a halt to everything, including travel, yeah. obviously. Um, yeah, just a whole bunch of travel. And started teaching retreats and... Yeah, let's talk about retreats. You said um, to me before that you did... What got you into doing your first retreat and then what led you into wanting to run your own retreats? Um, My very first retreat was actually at like one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to actually. You know Oki? Surfer Oki? Yeah. 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 Um, He has a surf break there named after him. Oh, I'd seen um, Sumba. Yeah, yeah Nihiwatu. Nihiwatu, yeah. beautiful. I was with Oki commentating a few days ago. He's going to come on the podcast. I had a good, he was like, man, I want to tell you my story. I was like, let's do it. So, Tell him that I've, I've actually met him once before and I didn't realize it was him. <laughs> I was a photographer a big day out one time on the Gold Coast no and was backstage like charging cameras and Sam was with me, my brother, and he wasn't allowed backstage though. <laughs> and so there was this guy backstage with this big snake and I was like, that's so cool can I touch it? <laughs> and he was like, you can hold it. And he like put it around my neck oh my and God. then he took a photo of me and I went back out and I was like, yo, like, look at this. 
uh, like I had some snake and around me Oki. and yeah, and he was like in the back and Sam was like, that's Oki. Do you know who that's that so is? And I was like, no, I have no idea who that is. Crazy. Yeah. The things we learn, right? That's great. His wife's actually a yoga teacher now too. That makes sense. Uh, that's funny. Um, There's such yeah. a crossover between surfing and yoga and breath work. Mm. Like they complement each other so well. Yeah. So let's talk about, um, yeah, that first retreat in Iwata. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that was really cool. Um, amazing and very high end. Like it's probably one of the most, it was the most beautiful resort in the world, I yeah, think, yeah, the gorgeous. year that I did yeah, I've it. Heard that. Um, so it was very expensive and, but it was the perfect opportunity for me to figure out, yeah, like what, what works possible, and what yeah. doesn't work. And yeah, like it was a, sm- a smaller one. Um, the retreats normally have between, like I would say 15 and 30 people on them, yeah, depending I'm on one right now. I think we're going to have you are? 24 guests. Hells yeah. Here in Byron? Bali. Nice. Changu. Okay. Do you know Surfing? the Mindspo retreats people, Rochelle and Chris? I'm going to introduce you. Good Ro- friends Rochelle of Fox? Yeah, Rochelle Fox. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rochelle's a really close friend of mine. So Mindspo and Good Human Factory doing like a good reset retreat. It's going to be sick. That's anyway. going to be so – I want to come. Yeah, you should come. When is it? Uh, July. Oh, maybe. We'll work it out. Might be in Europe, but maybe. We'll see. I'm going to Europe in June, but then I come back and go. We'll be swapping. Yeah, I'll yeah, be we'll, in Bali we'll in June. I'll wait you out the airplane window. <laughs> Um, yeah so that first retreat gave you some ideas what you wanted did you already have in your mind that you're going to do that as a way to start doing your own retreats yes and no I knew it was an option um and like something that I could potentially do but again I got in my own way like doubting myself with the imposter thing um yeah just thinking like why why do I have the right to do this Mm. um and yeah, and so it's taken me up until just today, like an hour before you got here, actually, I launched my first one that I've organized and will be hosting wow. all by myself. So you've been like a yogi teacher at a few retreats before, but this yeah. is your first one. Epic. Well, I've done, so I've hosted them myself, but I haven't organized them. Yeah. Um, and so it'll be interesting, like being in charge of so many people and like, the day that everyone gets there, there's always so much going on and running around with transportation and mm. arrival. People can't find it, don't know where to park, like what room am I in? Uh, so that'll be interesting. But I have full confidence in myself now after, yeah, yeah. you know, what, eight years of doing them. Wow. So, you've um, done, so where have you been doing your retreats and like who you've been working with to run your retreats? So I either work with a third, like third parties is what I've been doing in the past. Yeah. Um, and then now my partner is a breathwork facilitator. Yeah, I saw And that. so, yeah, so we've been merging the two together and it's perfect, like, because they do complement each oh, other yeah, so yeah, well. Oh, and it's, it's more than just breathwork. It's like a um, trauma-informed breathwork. And so, yeah, you'll know, like, how quickly it just changes and alters mm. your entire state. Yeah. Um, and how that can, yeah, just so quickly transport you back to like childhood traumas and things that are still stuck within the physical or somatic, mm. like the body, um, that just are begging to come out, which can be really confronting for a lot of people. And so, yeah, the retreats that we do now are super raw and vulnerable. And like I was saying to you earlier, it's crazy how you can be with a group of people for, you know, three, four, seven days and know so much about them as like who they are on the inside, their soul. Mm. And you don't even know 
their last name or what they do for a job. Yeah, I love like, that. Nothing superficial and you get to the end of the week and you're like, wait, what what do you do for a job? Like mm. what are you going back to right now? I know nothing about your, you know, superficial yeah. life. Nothing that you would choose to share on socials, like yeah. nothing curated. And that's it's so powerful to be able to be a part of those and to facilitate the spaces. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. I've never actually been to a retreat, but I'm about to throw one. So you're it's gonna like, have so much oh, fun. I can't wait. I'm so excited. We're gonna like surf, do yoga, do breath work. We have like a sauna and ice bath, and it's gonna be epic. Speaking of breath work, obviously you've done quite a lot of it with your partner, and his specific way it sounds like is to really work through trauma. Have you had anything that you've kind of had that's brought up that you might be willing to share that I think, because we spoke about this off air, like this idea that our traumas and self-beliefs, we really think they are us. But once we can detach and can step out and build some awareness, we can realize, you know what, I'm that way because of this. Has there been anything that's come up for you over the last few years doing breath work that has been real beneficial for you to work through? I don't do it as, I don't do it every day. Um, I, yeah, I would love to incorporate more of it i i don't think it's realistic for me though to be able to do it every day and i think especially as a female there's something about our cycles not being 24 hour cycles like a male's is Mm. um that just seems more yeah like authentic to to stick to like not give myself that unrealistic expectation of doing it every day when i know that hormonally and chemically i'm not going to feel that way every day um and so coming back into like softness feels nice yeah but yeah, every time I have done it, there is it's different. And it'll be yeah, like either crying or I'll get like visuals, like really vivid visuals. I have amazingly vivid dreams every night and I remember them every morning. Wow. But breath work just kind of like intensifies them. It's kind of like doing acid without actually doing acid, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes it's like a sensual release, like it doesn't feel like that to me. Sometimes it feels more like icky, but an onlooker would be like, oh, or if like you could hear it, they'd probably be like, oh, these people are just, you know, having sex next door or something. <laughs> no, we're just, we're just doing some breath work. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think, I think curating space and time afterwards for the integration is just as important as the activation part, like mm. the, the heavy breathing part. Um, at least for me and bear my partner, he's really good at holding space in that way. So every time that we've done a breathwork session together, he'll always afterwards, like invite sharing what the experience was, Mm. um, if I wanted to, and like certain journal prompts and things like that about what it meant or what it could mean, or yeah, just even reminders so that you can go and read it back and be like, oh, that's right. Like I had this profound idea of a business I should start or like something like that that I may never do, yes. right? But I, I can't remember who it was. I think it was um, Elvis maybe? No, there was some kind of artist who said um, we need to go into the studio and like record this song right now. Like I just had a dream of it. I channeled it like it came to me and it was like 3 a.m. or something. And so no. the studio owner was like, what are you talking about? Like it can wait <laughs> until 6, eight. like it can wait until 9. No, and can't. he was like, it can't because if I don't do it now, Prince is going to do it. And no. I was like, what? That's like, crazy. But 
creative ideas, I I genuinely believe that they are like that. Yeah, they come from nowhere sometimes. Right? Yeah, it's always like, where'd that come from? And if you it's don't so, pick it up, someone else will. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. So if not you, then who? With everything. It's, yeah. It's the same with taking opportunities. So it's as much as like being deserving of things. Mm. Something I actually spoke about this on a podcast that came out yesterday, one of my ones. Um, this idea of like, I used to always feel blessed and feel lucky and I'm trying to change my mindset. I haven't actually spoken in person with anyone about this, but see if you relate to it. I feel, on it. I'm, I feel I, I've learned that if I think I'm blessed or I'm lucky, it's almost me feeling undeserving. So now I'm, instead of thinking like that, I'm like, I just want to feel grateful. Mm. It's like strip back from feeling lucky that something good happened to you. Just be like, no, I'm grateful it happened to me. Like I deserve it. It's okay. You yeah. know what I mean? It's by being by feeling lucky, it almost is also saying you're undeserving. It's like yeah. it wasn't, it was the luck that made this thing happen to me. Yeah, yeah it wasn't me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there is that separation, isn't there? Yeah. It's subtle, but it's there. Yeah. And right. like you said, it comes back to gratitude being a feeling rather than a thought. Yeah. And actually something that I couldn't sleep last night because the coffee that I had last yesterday morning, but I started writing instead just like on the floor mm. <laughs> next to the bed about what I thought the difference between – um a habit and a ritual is and it's the intention and the consciousness so like a habit is something that we just try to like automate or becomes automatic and stack right like habit stacking is the new like productivity thing right and and up until last night i was all about it and then now i'm like hang on that means that we're just going to get through our entire lives on autopilot Mm. without being conscious or grateful or present mm. and actually truly experiencing and embodying anything. And that's what a ritual is. Right? I and like so I was that. like, oh, rituals are just habits done with intention. That is good. So I think I like I'm going to start using use that, that like <laughs> start using that language. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's great. That's kind of the last line of questioning I kind of want to go with for someone like you who does obviously really um oh, I can't think of the word. Oh my god, I've got a mark like who puts health as a very high priority. Obviously, mm-hmm. taking care of yourself is massive. What are your daily habits and rituals that are kind of non-negotiable for you to feel at your best? They're different every day, um, but I definitely have like a, a lump of things, yeah, of rituals. Yeah, toolbox of things yeah, that pull out. Yeah, a little belt, tool yeah. belt that I can like pull out what I feel like I need that day. Um, so I think first and foremost, it comes with being able to check in with myself and like, find that grounding, a hand on the heart, a hand on the belly, closing the eyes and a couple of deep breaths and having that conversation with myself, with my inner child, with my intellect, um, yeah, with my body and really feeling into what those aspects of me are trying to tell me and what they're asking for and how I can best show up for myself Mm. in that way. And up until very recently, I would have thought that that sounded selfish and like I was putting myself first but I'm progressively learning more and more the importance of having a full cup to be able to give to others. Mm. Otherwise, it's just like having people poke holes in in your bucket and water's just seeping out everywhere and you're just all over the place trying to like patch them all up. Um, Yeah, and so one would just be checking in. Um, Another one is doing those check-ins with friends and partners and other people and – yeah, really inviting conscious and intentional space mm. for vulnerability and being able to take radical responsibility for your own life and choices and actions. Um, but 
in a way that enables you to still feel supported mm. by the people around you. Benevolent listening is something that I'm starting to. Benevolent. Yeah. What's benevolent mean? I only know how to use that contextually, to be honest. Active listening. Yeah. Like um, present listening. Yeah. Rather than interrupting. Engaging. Yeah. And I think trying to rescue a lot of the time, which probably comes as more like it might be a more female based thing. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure a lot of men can still relate as well, but feeling like you're the person that everyone relies on or goes to if they need advice or support or yeah, but then butting in ahead of time and trying to fix it for them. I'll give you a great quote for that. And this is what I talk about in my workshops when I talk about empathy and the importance of listening. I think it's a quote by Donald Trump actually, but it oh, goes, gosh. listen, don't just wait to talk. And when I heard that, I was like, Oh, it's exactly kind of, I feel like, what you're talking about, benevolent listening, mm. <laughs> if that's the right word. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's this ability to actually listen and absorb rather than hear the first thing and go, all right, what am I going to say next, kind of, and you start thinking. It's like you're actually not actively listening. Mm. Yeah, once I heard that quote, I always do it now, and I'm terrible at it. I have a podcast and I don't have headphones, so I always speak over my guests, but I'm trying to get better at it. <laughs> I think you're pretty good. <laughs> I try, I try. There's um, Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Speaking good. of it, there's another quote that is pretty much the same thing, um, and it's you don't learn anything when you're speaking. Like you, you can't learn anything new. You're just repeating the same information that you already know. Mm. And I was like, oh. And like I think learning and education is something that I really love. Mm, me too. And I'm trying to do more of it this year. Like I've booked myself in to try things that – I normally wouldn't because they're outside my comfort zone or I've just never tried them before. Um, like I tried boxing last night, yeah, never yeah. tried that before. I've signed up to do a couple of um, like I just did the Hoffman process last week, which is like an intense week of therapy and reparenting your inner child pretty much. Um and how was that? What'd you learn there last week? So this much. Will last, like, this will be the last little thing I'll ask you about. Like, I what'd will, you learn last I week? I will be unfolding the, everything that I learned for the rest of my life and yeah. integrating it and processing the process. Like such a beautiful invitation to step back in and to, yeah, like everything seemed so subtle at the time. There were a couple of moments of really big breakthroughs, but majority of it didn't seem anything crazy but integrating it afterwards you i'm really able to to witness how powerful and transformative it has the potential to be if yeah. i stick with doing the tools that i learned um yeah and so one that goes back to the rituals right that i've been doing um a lot more mindfulness presence gratitude so simple thing doing gratitude every day. I've just decided to do it at night right before bed and I'm doing um, gratitude for just general as well as appreciation for things about myself. So mm. I'll just do three or five of each of them and, yeah, they can just be little simple things, right? Like I appreciated about myself that I didn't feel the need to show up as and perform a certain way in this conversation, let's say. Mm. Or, yeah, I appreciated that my body clock woke me up before my alarm did. Or, yeah. It's a little thing. Yeah. It's just noticing. It's just actually bringing notice to 
these things. Yeah. I'm going to show you something after that's really cool. I have this thing called the 1% Good Club, which is all around giving 1% of your day to your mental health. Oh. So every morning I send a guy to 10-minute meditation and every night I write three things I'm grateful for. You've probably seen since you followed me the last week or two since I reached out that I post on my story every night, three gratitudes from the day. Mm-hmm. But now I send it to these group chats. There's nine group chats with like 100 to 120 in each, so about a 1,000 people. And everyone writes their three gratitudes each day. So in the last, I've been doing it for 550 days straight. I send the meditation in the morning to everyone in a group chat on Instagram. And then I do the gratitudes after. So there's like a hundred people and you read everyone else's gratitude for the day. It's so cool. But yeah, there's been probably over 150,000 gratitudes written in over the last 18 months, which is like, I'll I'll add you into one. So you can do, even if you don't add to it, you just read other people's. It makes you feel good reading other people reflect on their day. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. But Wow, this has been um, a really fun chat. I appreciate getting to know you and learning your story a little bit more. There's probably so much more we could talk about, which we'll probably get you back on for <laughs> another one once I start doing second chats with guests. But the last sort of little question I want to talk about is this retreat you got coming up. Do you want to promo a little bit? What's the go with it? What's going to be included? How do people get involved if they want to learn about it? So, yeah, the one in Byron is an all-women's one. Yeah. And then my partner and I are doing um, – three, four, maybe probably four others throughout the year. Uh, So we're still in the current planning stages and we're probably about to launch those within the next like month. In Australia? No, all around the world. Uh, So we're trying to hit Europe this time and we're doing Peru again because we've got that one launched already, Um, already got it like half filled. And and the yoga breathwork retreats? Yeah, yoga and breathwork, yeah. Epic. And yeah, and then we're trying to hit South America, which is probably going to be like a surf yoga breathwork one. See. And yeah, he's really good at like curating mastermind kind of thing. So we're probably going to do one more like an entrepreneurial mastermindy self-evaluation and introspection kind of Epic. yeah, awareness and like playfulness. Flows like a really big part of activating those parts of our brains that we're not otherwise able to tap into. Yeah. So, have you ever done like flow sticks? Nah. Oh my god, you would love flow sticks. Come back when Bear's here. Okay. Yeah. I want to meet him. Bring your girlfriend, and we'll all hang out. It'll be so much fun. She's in Brazil. She's back in March, but we'll catch up some stage. Perfect. Fun. But yeah, like I said, this has been epic. I'm going to continue to follow your journey, and hopefully, now I guess you call us friends. We can catch up. I want to do yoga one day with you. I've got to. I've got to get back into my yoga. Yoga is the one thing that every time you leave, you're like, never will you regret walking out of a yoga class. No. Ever. No. As much as it might be hard to get there sometimes and silence that little voice, once you leave, every single time, amazing. And something I think as a young man might be, I feel like it was not frowned upon, but I feel like subconsciously I kind of had a bit of a connotation of what yoga was. But now I'm just like, me and a bunch of my mates do it. It's like, if you're someone who might be going, oh, I don't know about yoga, I can guarantee you, if you go and do a yoga session, you will leave feeling better than you entered. What did you think it was when you said like you used to have like a- I used to think I probably had that like sort of connotation of it's like this sort of hippie, like spiritual connotation to it. Same with meditation. Whereas now, obviously, like you said, it is becoming far more mainstream and global. I feel like now I'm just like, wait a second, this is just giving myself a gift every time I go to yoga. Yeah. It's not like a workout where you're really smashing yourself, although sometimes you bloody hard yoga. Yeah. But by combining it with the breath, I feel like it gives it that sort of like presence and it's just for you. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. Sound about right? Yeah. (laughs) Sound pretty common probably for most people that you teach, like who are first timers, have a pretty similar experience. Definitely. Um, Actually, before people even get into a class or have tried it before, and yeah, I don't know why, there just seems to be this thing where you're like, oh, have you tried yoga before? And they go, oh, no, I'm not flexible enough for yoga. Yeah, that's true. That's what the beginner classes are for. And yoga has nothing to do with flexibility. It's Mm. not about being able to touch your toes. It's about like how it feels and what you learn on the way down there. Mm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I feel that. You're right. A lot of people are like, oh, it's about flexibility. I've been lucky. I've always been hypermobile. So I've always had quite a bit of flexibility and can get into certain poses. But now that I know it's like it's more about the breath than the poses, it's like how can I maintain focus for an hour of trying to keep my breath at four to six seconds each movement. It's yeah. like, it's, it's an art and it's super fun. Like it turns into a really good challenge with yourself, not with anyone else in the room, which yeah. I bloody love. Yeah. But like I said, awesome chat. The last question I finish all of my good humans podcast is very similar. Well, it's the same for every guest and I'm excited to see how you're going to answer this one. So okay. what does being a good human mean to Sienna Earp? Being a good human means understanding that our thoughts, words, and actions have an impact on everything around us. And that impact is a ripple effect. And so when we yeah, bring that into awareness and consciousness, it brings in the ability to have a huge, powerful influence, positive influence um, over not just our own experience of this lifetime, but of everyone around us. Wow. So beautifully put. I love that as well. It can have a negative experience, our actions and intentions and what we do. So I think it's so important just to be aware of that. And I think people listening will definitely will have got that message because I did just by you saying that, I was like, so true. Everything we do has a reaction to it and how we show up is so, so important. So thank you so much for jumping on Good Humans. This has been an absolute pleasure. It's great to get to know you. Like I said, we've like, I know your brother and then like I've got other friends in Newcastle and I feel like it's crazy that it's taken until now to get to meet you. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for jumping on. I guess last thing, if anyone wants to find you on socials, the retreats, where's the best place for that? I will leave it in the show notes, but yeah, little time to plug it. Instagram is my main yeah. Social platform, um, Sienna Release. S- Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. It's J A N A E L I S E. Beautiful. And yeah, I'm also on YouTube. TikTok, uh, yeah, you know. All those places. Yeah, all the places that people are. Well, I'll leave it all in the show notes. Like I said, thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. And yeah, thanks for jumping on Good Humans Podcast. Thank you so much. It's been truly an honor.